so Lent. What a strange reading or couple of readings to have as an introduction to Lent, right back to the book of Genesis. Well, one of the uh, R's was reflection, I believe, and one was remembrance. And so uh, I think what was on David's mind, if anybody can guess what's on David's mind at any time, um, was that we take some time today to uh, remember and to reflect on the reason why uh, Jesus came to live on earth and ultimately to die, and obviously towards the end of, or just after the end of Lent, we will be into Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, um, the culmination of that uh, earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus. And so we, we're going back to the beginning of things. I think one other thing David um, has suggested is that we, we consider this these few weeks through Lent um, as a serious journey, that we're taking a serious journey, that we need to be serious with God because God is serious with us. And like any journey, there's a point of departure and there's a destination. And what we're considering today is that point of departure on the journey. Um, It's the journey of uh, the history of mankind It's a journey in terms of uh, understanding our Bible uh, and following the events that God moved through in the lives of people uh, to bring uh, the whole of uh, mankind to that point of um, the uh, possibility of redemption through the death of the Lord Jesus. There's another one of the R's. (laughs) redemption (coughs) and so why do we need to be redeemed well these verses that um, Joy read to us uh, are by way of explanation of, uh, of where things went wrong why did things go wrong why are things wrong in the world today why is it that as some people would say, there is a lot of evil in the world. Certainly there's a lot of discontent, um, there's a lot of violence, uh, there's, there's a lot of hatred. There are a lot of bad things that go on in the world today, which we, in all honesty, would, would have to confess that this is not what God intended. God did not intend the world to end up in the sort of condition that it's in today, either as far as us people are concerned and the way we behave and the way we interact with other people, um, or indeed the way the world is um, in terms of, um, let's say, pollution of one sort or another. You see, the reading that um, um, Joy gave us from chapter 2, is the culmination of the creation, the the work of God in creating all things. And do you remember in chapter 1 of Genesis, after God had 
created different things on different days, he was able to say, and God saw that it was good. And then right at the end, it was very good. So what God created was, was excellent. It was good. It was very good. In fact, it was perfect. We couldn't have asked for a better environment in which to live. It just couldn't have been any better. And Adam and Eve, well, God placed them. He personally placed them in the Garden of Eden to tend it or to cultivate it, to take care of it. And we're told that um, back in chapter 1 of Genesis that God gave Adam and Eve uh, dominion over all the creatures of the air, of the sea, and of the land. And he told them that you can eat of all the herbs and the fruit of the, of the field. So everything was provided for them, but also God had given them the authority to have dominion over creation. I believe that in those days, those early days, that Adam and Eve um, were able to conduct life in a similar way to the way God brought life into existence, by speaking. Um, that they could, they could tell a flock of sheep to go from that field to that field, and they would go. They didn't have to be led. They didn't have to be driven. They went because Adam had the authority. He had dominion over those creatures. And what he said, they did. That was the sort of environment that um, Adam and Eve found themselves in. And God said, now look, there's one tree in the middle of this garden and the fruit is like poison. It, it, it'll kill you if you eat it. So don't eat it. It's interesting that God didn't say, if you eat it, you will die. He said, when you eat it, you will die. I think God knew what was going to happen, actually. And um, this is the way that Satan, in the form of the serpent, was able to... Um, persuade Eve that, in fact, it would be quite a good thing to eat this fruit because it will make you wise. You'll be like God. Do you know God's holding something back from you? He doesn't want you to be like him, and you will be if you eat this fruit. And so Eve was deceived into taking that, the fruit of that tree that God said, don't eat it. And she ate, and she gave to Adam and he ate it as well. So they disobeyed the word of God. They disobeyed. Now God had given the, this tree a, a name, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And um, it may well be that, that we have a knowledge of good and evil that we can work out with our minds, with our intellect, what is good and what is evil we probably can get it right most of the time, but maybe sometimes we get it a bit wrong, the difference between. 
But there's more to it than knowing the difference between good and evil. That word knowledge, the tree of the knowledge, it has a, a sort of a secondary meaning, which, which is to know by experience the difference between good and evil. To know by experience. And I think that's where um, we see the difference between, let's say, temptation where something comes our way and we're able to assess whether it's good or evil and actually committing sin by doing what we shouldn't do. So this tree of the knowledge of good and evil opened up the possibilities for Adam and Eve to actually engage in a life of sin. The very act of eating was an act of sin doing something that God had told them not to do. And of course there were consequences. There were consequences to this act. I won't go into those because I think David may, may well be touching on those in the next couple of weeks or so. So, why do we, why do we experience sin? Why, do, why is there sin in the world? Why, why are things deteriorating? Why do we get old? Why do we have aches and pains? I've got pain in my back. I know Wendy's got a pain in her foot. <laughs> I noticed that hobbling down the steps. <laughs> um, but things don't work as well as they should, do they? Either in our bodies or in the world around us. You know... Is it a storm this weekend, or was that the last two weekends? Is it going to do this? Is it, is, you know, there are all sorts of things that we just haven't a clue. But they're things that disrupt uh, a, a pleasant, calm life for ourselves. A life of peace, a life of joy, a life of enjoyment. Um, so why do things keep going wrong? Paul talks about the whole of creation is groaning until the day of redemption. It's as though everything in creation is suffering. It's suffering because of sin that's, I was going to say in the world, but it's actually sin that's in us, in people. And so going back to Adam and Eve, we see that when um, Adam and Eve did what the serpent, Satan, encouraged them to do, they were actually disobeying God. But it was more serious than that, if anything can be more serious, I suppose. You see, God had given them authority. God had given them dominion. They could have said to this creature, be quiet and be on your way. That, and the creature would have to have obeyed. Um, James in his letter puts it slightly differently for us when he says, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, Adam and Eve were in submission to God prior to this event, 
And so, on two counts, they could have confronted Satan in the form of that serpent and told him to be on his way, but they didn't. And because of that action, they actually relinquished the authority that God had given them into the hands of Satan. Jesus himself um, once said, and this is uh, recorded for us in John's Gospel, um, you know, a few weeks ago, David was talking about um, the woman taken in adultery from John chapter 8. And um, in that chapter, Jesus has, it seems, one confrontation after another with these scribes and Pharisees. And that was right at the beginning of the chapter. Later on in the chapter, uh, Jesus says to these same people that... um, the one that sins becomes the slave of sin. He who sins becomes the slave of sin. And that's what happened with Adam and Eve. They had disobeyed God, they sinned, and they became slave to sin. In fact, they became, in effect, slave to Satan. They had given Satan all the authority that was theirs. And now he had it. And so he was able to do what he always had in mind to do, and that was to wreck the good things that God was doing and making. That's what Satan was about. So, we see in this, uh, these few verses how that man in the theological terms, fell from the perfect position in which God had placed them and the perfect state of being in relationship to him. And they fell out of that relationship and entered into a different relationship that was now being overseen by Satan himself. And so there was now within them and within their descendants this tendency to choose whether to do God's will or to do their own will or to do somebody else's will or to do Satan's will. And that's the option that we all have these days. We can choose. And sometimes we like to think we can't help doing something that's naughty, bad, sinful. But the truth is that we choose. It's a choice that is ours to make. God said when, to Adam and Eve that when you take and eat this fruit, you will surely die. And that this dying took the form of both a separation from God, that relationship that they had experienced up to that point was disrupted, it was broken. And it was like a spiritual death that they experienced because um, I think Wendy mentioned it, that God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit. And so this relationship that Adam and Eve had was a spiritual relationship which was ruptured at the point of their disobedience. And it had an amazing and very sad 
effect upon Adam and Eve. Firstly, um, we read in Genesis that they, their eyes were opened and they realised they were naked. And so they quickly um, made up some, I don't know quite what the coverings consisted of, but um, to cover their nakedness. They realised they were naked. They were ashamed of their nakedness and they felt they needed to cover it up. They'd never experienced shame before, but they did on that day. And then later in the day, when they heard God moving through the garden, they hid themselves. They couldn't bring themselves to face God. So another expression of shame on their part. And then uh, Adam confessed to God that when they heard God moving in the garden, that they were afraid and they went and hid themselves. So there's shame and there's fear immediately following eat the eating of that fruit. So they died spiritually. They were separated. That, that connection that they had was broken. They were separated from God. And that's what mankind down through the ages has experienced. That we're separated from God spiritually. We might have a concept of God, we might know about God, but we haven't got a relationship with God, which is another one of those R's, I suppose. Because that's been broken right back here in the Garden of Eden. And of course we know that now there comes a day when we die, when we cease to be alive on this earth. And although Adam and Eve lived much, much, much longer than any of us are going to live, several hundred years, um, the day came when they died. So this was like a two-stage dying that they experienced. They experienced a spiritual death, a separation from God, and they eventually experienced a physical death where they died and ceased to exist as living people on this earth. And that's what we all experience. We experience a spiritual separation from God and we experience a physical death. But praise the Lord that we have something available to us that Adam and Eve didn't have. And in fact, nobody really had up until the time of Jesus. And that is the possibility of re-establishing the relationship with God through Jesus. From uh, in the days of Adam and Eve, there was no mechanism for them to confess their sin and, and receive forgiveness. I say there's no mechanism because in God's book, there was nothing written down when they disobeyed him. Um, you see, at that point, God hadn't given the law, the law that came through Moses. That was several hundreds of years after the time of Adam and Eve. And um, Paul makes the point 
that when there is no law, there is no transgression. So, if there was no law saying there's a maximum speed at which you can drive, then you could drive at any speed you liked and you wouldn't be committing an offence. You wouldn't be breaking the law. And so, because God had not given the law until the time of Moses, there was no offence caused or given by any disobedience. It's difficult for us maybe to grasp this, but um, I guess we can have a mental picture of God keeping a tally of all the good things and all the bad things we do because, you know, later on in the Bible it talks about the books being opened and everyone being judged according to what's written in the books. But up until the time of Moses, when the law was given, nothing was written in the books. <laughs> so there's nothing for God to judge in that respect. It's rather a strange period to be in. But then when God gave the law through Moses, now it became apparent exactly what sin was. It was the breaking of this law that God had given. Fortunately for the Israelites, God had also given them a mechanism within the law whereby they could receive forgiveness or atonement for the sin that they had committed. And that was through an animal sacrifice, where the blood of the animal atoned for the sin that they had committed. It was as though their, their wrongdoing was covered over by the blood of the sacrifice. Um, of course, if they didn't go through that procedure, then that sin that they had committed still stood, not having been atoned for. So they were still in a tricky position as far as their relationship with God was concerned. But, at the right time in human history, God sent the Lord Jesus to be the perfect sacrifice, the perfect Lamb of God, as John the Baptist said, that takes away the sin of the world. And so now, Paul puts it in, in his letter to the Romans, that um, as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. And now Wendy's thinking about the Messiah. <laughs> um, and, the, and this is the amazing provision that God has made for people in, in our generation. Indeed, for every generation since the time of Jesus and his death and resurrection. The possibility is there for a restored relationship with our Heavenly Father as we take by faith the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross and take it for ourselves and confess that yes, we have sinned, we were sinners, but now we have forgiveness because by faith we believe in the sacrifice of Jesus. So that's the wonderful provision 
that God has made for people in this generation and in future generations. So we started the journey, that was the point of departure. Um, I was thinking earlier that maybe the death and resurrection is like um, a secondary destination, really. It's like when you go on a train journey and you have to go down to London, change trains and go on to your, your final destination. Because the, the death and resurrection of Jesus is like a destination because it is the point at which the sin that we were born into and the sin that is experienced can be managed and dealt with through the death of Jesus. But that's not our final destination. There is a destination that we have yet to reach and um, that's something that David will be dealing with a bit later on. So it may seem like a strange place to begin a series on Lent, but in actual fact, it's important that we understand why things are like they are. Why is it that there is, there is this tendency to be disobedient to God? And it's because of what happened back here in the Garden of Eden. So as we remember and reflect on things past, way, way, way back in the past, in this case, let's also remember that God has made provision to restore us into the relationship that he always intended for us. And that's, that's the degree to which God cares for us, all people, all, all of creation, and his love and his compassion and his grace. He shows to us in the person of Jesus and that wonderful sacrifice that he made and the resurrection that is for us the indication that it's possible to be victorious in life. God's purpose for us as his children is that we should reign in life as Paul puts it in his letter to the Romans. We haven't got time, but read Romans chapters 4 and 5, and it's a wonderful exposition on this very truth that we've been thinking of this morning, that as in Adam all die, but in Christ shall all be made alive. So let's praise our Lord and Saviour, give him thanks for all the wonderful things that he has made available to us through the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Wendy.